This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 20th, 2022. Upside down, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. I'm still Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we again thank you for being together today here and um, online. We ask your blessing upon our words that you would use us to nudge each one of us to take one step closer to you and that this message would uh, be able to be applied to our lives when we leave this place. We thank you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So today we continue our series called Upside Down. Um, we consider the Beatitudes that Jesus shared at the beginning of an extended teaching that's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a Beatitude means blessing, blessing. And so Jesus was sharing with his followers when it is that God blesses us. And um, from what he shared, we are often blessed when it seems that it would be just the opposite, thus the title of the series, Upside Down. On Ash Wednesday, we open the series and we turn things upside down, talking about how God blesses us when we're at the end of our rope. Uh, when there's uh, less of me, there's more room for God. First Sunday, we turn things upside down when we consider how we are blessed when we've uh, lost what is most dear to us, when we are mourning the loss of something precious or someone precious. And it's when that happens that we're able to truly embrace the one who is truly most dear to us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, we weren't here. Stephanie did a fantastic awesome. job. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Stephanie. And we were able to, to, to be a part of that from a distance, thanks to the technology. That was glorious. And um, she shared how things are turned upside down when we're, and we're blessed when we are content with just who we are, when we are meek, as it is then that we will find ourselves proud owners. That's interesting. We're meek and then become proud owners of that which can't be bought, as uh, it is then that we inherit the earth. And so today, our focus is on Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Now, many of us are familiar with the traditional version of this beatitude, and we will get to it but we want to take a look at it in a little bit of a different light today. We are using Eugene Peterson's paraphrase called The Message, and so check this out. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Mm. So uh, Jesus here uses a metaphor that strikes a universal chord. You know, we all require food and drinks to sustain life. And so working up an appetite is a common thing, something we can all understand. And so Jesus talks about an appetite for God, comparing God to food and drink and saying he's the best meal we'll ever eat. 
It's not the only time in Scripture where such comparisons are made. In Psalm 63, here's what King David shares, verses 1, and then we'll skip a little bit and then jump to four and verses 4 and 5. David writes this, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. There's that, there's that hunger and thirst thing. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And then verse 4 and 5, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. There you go. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I just love the Psalms because they really express so much emotion. And most of them were written by David, but some were not. And the, one, the next one that we want to share is Psalm 42. It's not attributed to David, but it also speaks to thirsting for God. You might have heard this one before. Well, it was in a song a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Mm. Then we go from the Psalms Old Testament to the New Testament, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, where we're told to drink pure spiritual Milk. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. And where does pure spiritual milk come from? Hello, God. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted, say the rest with me, that the Lord is good. And so we've looked at the Psalms, and we've looked at First Peter. Jesus also uses metaphors of food and drink to speak of himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more, how much? Ever. Ever. Of course, Jesus is talking about spiritual hunger, not physical hunger, pointing out that the person who aligns with Jesus, who feeds on Jesus, so to speak, will never know spiritual hunger again. Wow. Jesus will satisfy that hunger, will, will satisfy that spiritual thirst. Mm. Bread of life. Uh, for the Jews, the bread of life was the manna that God had provided for them when they were 40 years in the desert after they uh, left uh, Egypt after 400 years of slavery. They were in the desert 40 years. And that manna was a daily reminder. They gathered it daily. was a daily reminder that they depended on God for, for everything, especially that daily ration of this peculiar substance that sustained them through 40 years. Think about that. 40 
years. Even though the daily manna happened many years before Jesus spoke to them on that mountainside that we're talking about this morning, it was still a very much a part of their heritage for the Jews, very important part of their collective cultural memory, a very important part of their God story. Manna had been their daily bread for 40 years. And so Jesus is telling them that while the bread from heaven that God provided in the past was this manna, that the true bread from heaven that truly sustains is Jesus. That only Jesus can truly satisfy hunger. You know, if we eat a piece of bread, it might last for a little while, and then we get hungry again. That's what happens. But with Jesus, when we take Jesus in, we don't get hungry again in the spiritual sense. Oh, I get hungry to know more of God and to seek God, but that's a little bit different. It's just hungry for more of what's already there, what's already given. God provides a beautiful um, filling in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God is food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. He's the sustainer. Early in this book of John, back in chapter 4, Jesus compares what he has uh, to the liquid that's essential for life, water. He's, he's having a conversation. You may be acquainted with this story, a conversation at the town well with a woman who comes in the middle of the day, which nobody came in the middle of the day for water because it was hot. That's not, they'd come in the evening. She's there in the middle of the day, and that's because no one else is there. This woman's been ostracized by, by those around her. She's, she's a loner, basically. And Jesus asks her for a drink, and she wonders why he even talks to her since uh, she's a, not only a woman, and that was something that was a no-no, publicly speaking, a man talking to a woman that wasn't his wife, but also she's a Samaritan. She's one of those guys. She's a foreigner. She's someone that the Jews despised. She's an outsider. He's speaking to her, a woman and a Samaritan. To speak it to her in public was a major faux pas, and she's wondering why in the world Jesus is doing this. And so Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within. How do you like that, Theodore? Artesian spring. Yeah. Gushing fountains of endless life. And so again, God sustains life, spiritual life, through this living water, through his son, Jesus Christ. As Peterson shares in his paraphrase, we're blessed when we work up a good appetite for God. He's the food and drink and the best meal we'll ever eat. Just so you know, I, I just kind of called him out because the company that he works for is in, you know, in the message version of the Bible. So <laughs> artesian, cool. Anyway, <laughs> when we turn to a more traditional translation, one that perhaps you're a little more familiar with, you're like, when are you going to get to what I know? I think that we can get 
another layer of understanding of this Jesus teaching. And so, you know this, but I'm going to read it straight from the word. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So when Jesus spoke of those who hunger and thirst, he was talking a whole lot more about a whole lot more than just working up an appetite. You know, in that day, in that time, in that culture, it was a little different than ours today. We have a huge middle class. Very poor, very rich at the extremes, but a huge middle class. Middle class encompasses a, a wide range of incomes and, and lifestyles, but still different than in Jesus' day. In that day and time, pretty much you had the haves and the have-nots. The haves and the have-nots, and those that were well-off and those who were basically living, it wasn't even paycheck to paycheck, it was, it was day-to-day, job-to-job. Many were day laborers who, who when they didn't work, they didn't eat. When Jesus may be familiar with the story where there were hired workers hired in the morning and then workers hired throughout the day and ones hired late in the afternoon, when, when he talks about that story, those, those workers who are hired late in the afternoon, it seems like, oh, they got the deal, they got a full day's wage and they only worked a Well, I don't know, they were waiting till late in the afternoon wondering if their family was going to even eat that day because they would only eat if that laborer was able to find work. Maybe you've been hungry or thirsty. Um, I don't know. I have, but it's because I've been fasting and then I cave in. Or if I didn't like something on the table and I'm like, "Eh." never what Alan cooks, but, um, you know. If I didn't like it and then it's like, oh, I'll just wait till my next meal. And, you know, you get those hunger pangs. But... Never to the extent of what we're talking about here. Because I always knew at some point the food would come. And so few of us have had to live like Jesus is speaking about in this scripture. The ones that he's speaking about are people who live in the margins, on the edge, on the edge of hunger. Now we've seen that when we've traveled to India. And this happens in other countries, and it happens here too. And that's why we value so much the food ministry that we have. I'll give you a plug, Randy. Volunteers, Tuesday and Thursday, we feed. Uh, People can come and receive. We do pickups every single day. If you can help with that. Oh, our daily bread. Edna, you're involved with that, and we do support that as well with meals and food, and you can volunteer there. Um, It's really important because we don't want anybody to have physical hunger pangs. There's no need for that today. What Jesus is talking about in this case is such a long, long time period of people who are hungry, wondering really when their next meal would be. And not only hungry, but thirsty. You know, they, they didn't go to the refrigerator and grab a nice cold bottle of water. They, they couldn't turn on the faucet and fill a glass with some refreshing H2O. No. They went to the town well, filled it up with a large 
filled up large water jugs to be used, carried back home. And, and if they were traveling, there wasn't any quick stop along the way to get a nice cold beverage to refresh. They generally traveled on foot, and they were carried the water themselves. If they ran out, they, they waited until they came to the next well, whenever that might be. And the heat of the day, dust storms along the way made, uh, made thirst very much of their everyday existence. So I think we really wanted to paint a picture about the desperateness of this hunger and thirst in the physical sense so that we could kind of understand where Jesus is coming from and why this metaphor was so important. The thirst in your throat, like what um, Alan was talking about, that parchedness. Just imagine like a dry creek bed that's got cracks in it. I mean, it's that parched. That's the kind of hunger and thirst that we're talking about that Jesus is referring to here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness. That's a good churchy word, isn't it? We use that a lot in church. Righteous. Don't hear, anybody heard that outside of church in the last 10 years? Not too much, huh? Yeah, righteousness. Generally speaking, though, it does have a non-church uh, definition. Righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. When we bring it inside, though, as a Christ follower, it means to do that which is right in the sight of God. Righteousness. To do that which God commands. To, to have a heart and a soul for God. For being who God intended us to be when God first thought of us. And so those who are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this, who hunger and thirst for doing what is right in the sight of God, who hunger and thirst to be who God intended them to be. Not to just desire it, but to hunger and thirst for it in the way a starving person hungers for food, the way a completely parched person thirsts for drink. And so this goes beyond just wanting, desiring. This has to do with a longing for that which is right in the sight of God, a yearning, a craving, a driving desire for righteousness. That's really the most important thing here, for righteousness. And that's the incredible part of this particular teaching of this beatitude, we are not told that we are blessed when we are righteous. I'm going to say that again. We're not told that we are blessed when we are righteous. We are told that we are blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you see that? I mean, that, that is amazing to me. Like, it's in the wanting and the desiring to go deeper with God, to align myself more and more with Jesus. I, I'm never going to get there, but I'm going to keep trying. And it's in that hunger and thirsting is where we get the blessing. It's not getting there, but it's that hunger and thirsting. And we don't fill ourselves with that. God fills us 
God fills us with spiritual food, with spiritual drink. And we never get to that place again when we are in Christ, when we claim Jesus. I think, why is this so important? It's, it's life-giving. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we hunger and thirst for more of God to align our lives. Because if we align our lives to what's out there, it's a mess. It's a mess. Am I going to align myself to the ads that I see, you know, in magazines or books or TV or on the internet? They tell me everything that isn't good for me a lot of times. Oh, you need to be this or this or this, or you're older, you're young, or you're not cool, or you're... That's not... That's not where our yearning should go, our eyes should... Our culture doesn't define us. But when we... I just think of this, you know, uh, plumb line, where it's this this string that comes down with a weight. Okay, that's Jesus. I just want to get closer and closer because... When life doesn't make sense again, and I'm looking at some of you, and I know you've experienced when life doesn't make sense and when the bottom falls out, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that means we hunger and thirst for a relationship with Jesus, and there is some place where we fall. We're never going to fall and fall and fall and fall. There's like we're going to land, even if it doesn't, even if it still hurts we still have this safe place where we're going to land. And it's with Jesus. And that's why this is so important, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because what happens? We'll be filled. The dark isn't as, there's like this little pinhole of light. It's there. And so for me, this is what I want for me hungering and thirsting for Jesus more and more. The older I get, it's happening quick. The older I get, the more I want of him. You know, I thought I knew, I've been studying about Jesus, kind of, for most of my life, but there's so much more. I was reading Exodus. I've read the Ten Commandments a gazillion times. In Exodus 20, I was prepping for disciple. I just keep learning new stuff. It's like, wow, that word stood out. That's hungering and thirsting, and I better stop because I'm preaching a whole different thing. You still got 20 minutes. Go ahead. <laughs> People, this is important. Hunger and thirst for righteousness because that's what's going to carry us for the rest of our lives. You do God- those, can you like do a stomp clap for me? Go ahead. There you go. That's, that's so weak. You do it better than me. Anyway, go. <laughs> God blesses us when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Amen? Amen? But here's the interesting thing with God. God never forces himself on us. Does he? Never forces. Uh, I've read God is a, Jesus is a gentleman. <laughs> Doesn't force himself on us. God responds when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so the thing is then, how do we express that hunger and thirst? 
If God's not going to force way on us, then we hunger. How do we express that? How do we reach out to God? How do we seek God? And one primary way is through the spiritual disciplines. You just mentioned that you were doing uh, studying for the disciple class. That's Bible study, right? In fact, not individual, but a group Bible study to, with other people, with, primarily through spiritual disciplines, disciplines that we focus on, especially during the season we're in, the season of Lent, where we're focused on our relationship with God and how, do, how does that get better? Through the spiritual discipline. Uh, as we prepare for Jesus' uh, 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 crucifixion and resurrection, and some, some of the things we do, prayer and fasting, you know, you ever heard at Lent, what did you give up, right? What'd you give up for Lent? Brussels sprouts and liver every year. That's my go-to, yeah. What did you give up through prayer and fasting? Through Bible study. Do you just Bible study? No, but you especially focus on it now because we're especially focused on what's our relationship with God? How can I get closer? Through interaction with others, as you said, that that disciple Bible study, who's here in the, in the disciple or has been at some time in the disciple? Isn't that a great way to connect with others in Bible study? Yeah, there you go. Through interaction with others, through times of quiet prayer and devotion. That might not be with us. That might be a one-on-one. Quiet prayer and devotion. That's important too. Through giving and sacrifice, we had the offering. That's important. That's, that's an act of devotion. That's an act of connecting and getting deeper with God. We, 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 we look for God in all we do, in, in those around us, in circumstances of our lives. God is there, and we, and we try to discern that. We try to see that. And we talk to God about it, not once in a while, but constantly. That's what prayer is, isn't it? To talking to God, but even more, think about it. You've got one mouth, two ears, talking to God, but even more important, we try to listen to what God's sharing with us. We share our hearts, minds, and souls, share our very selves, and listen as God shares God's self with us. It's not easy to make time for these spiritual disciplines, and we're not saying, like, do all of them. Pick one and focus. When I think about, you know, I get up and I just, I am off sometimes, and then I, you know, push repeat, and it happens. And then a few days later, I'm like, something is so out of whack. And I realize it's because it's like getting up, brushing my teeth. It's like I need to get up and just spend a little bit of time. For me, that, you know, but what is it for you? Because it's important. It's like this muscle that we need to work. It is so helpful for us to be on a journey together. Together. For me, I mean, I have a Master's of Divinity degree, and I can read the Bible and pray, and the Holy Spirit re, you know, reveals things to me. But when I'm in my small group and we discuss <clears throat> the same thing, it's like, oh, my gosh, these people are, like, pouring their thoughts and hearts in. And I'm like, well, I never thought of it that way. And so it's so important to wrestle with this stuff, not only one-on-one, with God, but with one another. If you're not in a small group, and some of you are just joining, I'm so excited about that. You've made a one step in. Um, Gary, are you? Gary's not here yet. Michelle, yeah, see Michelle or Dot out out front. They can connect you with um, someone so that you can get connected in a small group. It's not enough to just show up on Sunday and then go life, and then just show up on Sunday. 
This isn't where we grow. This is where we're fed and where we can collectively glorify God and kind of get the spiritual, whew, it's like this, okay, it's like the gas for, for us to go out. But it's in that group together that we can satisfy that hunger and thirst for righteousness that God talks about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled through small group. But she mentioned worship, but that is important to have worship, though, isn't it? It's crucial to be together and worship. We call it corporate worship. I mean, I can worship God by myself. The singing isn't very good, and, and, the, and the playing certainly isn't, but I can, I can worship God, but it's just different, isn't it? It's a whole different deal when we're in here together, and we're praising God all together, and we're singing, and we're clapping. It's a whole different deal, isn't it, than when I'm in by myself. It just doesn't have the same connection. It doesn't have the same feel. It's so important to be together with other believers, not just in small group Bible stuff, but in praise and celebration of the Lord. You know, there are times when we can't get to the sanctuary. I'm talking to you at home now. There are times when we can't get to the sanctuary where we worship alone at home, where our families, maybe because of injury, illness, whatever, we can't, maybe we can't, it's hard to worship all. Maybe you're on the road, maybe you're away, whatever. And we celebrate, we have the technology that you're watching us right now and joining together, and we do that, and we hopefully do that pretty well. But it's not the same as when we're here together, is it? It's not the same it's, it's not the same as being together in person in God's house, shouting God's praises, sharing God's word together. And so if you're home and you're able to get in here, get in here. Come on, we miss you and you miss this, even if you don't realize. I've had people come in and say, we've had people come in and say, I didn't realize how much I missed it. Of course not, because we get into these grooves, don't we? And grooves become ruts. And that's a rut we don't want to get into that I can take, I, it's me and God and I don't need anybody else. That's not a good rut to be in. So I'm going to encourage you if you're at home and you get in here, let's get together here and worship. You know, it's imperative that we come together in person whenever we can and possibly can and worship to praise, celebrate the one who gives us life. Maybe you're familiar with Psalm 100. It reminds us the importance. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture, and are his gates. These doors right here are his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That doesn't, that's not talking about our homes. That's talking about God's worship, His temple, His sanctuary, His church. I don't care what name you give it. It's this place, this holy place. Is this the only holy place? No. Any place we are and we're celebrating God is a holy place. But this is a holy place where we join other and celebrate who God is and what He does. For the Lord is good and His love endures for how long? Forever. His faithfulness continues Say it with me, through all generations. It's important, all this is important. I spoke about the one-on-one. -on -one. Some of that one-on-one -on -one is where we kind of let God's Holy Spirit get into us. 
and maybe things are revealed that we might not have thought of before in our prayer time, our devotion time, and it gives us an opportunity for repentance. That's like realizing that we've messed up and just not saying, oops, sorry, but like, I, I want to be different. I want to do different. I want to align myself with you, God. What does that look like? Those times are really important for things to kind of settle down and the noise to go away. There's a lot of noise. I've, I, I love country music. Don't judge me, but I do. And um, I listen to it, or I used to in my car a lot. And one of the ways I can have quiet now, it, and you think, oh, you don't have kids in the house. There's still a lot of noise around. And so I do that in the car, one-on-one, -on -one by myself, and I keep the radio off so that I can try to listen and hear and ingest what God wants for me. Or I'll turn on my Bible app and I'll just listen to scripture, and then, you know, my mind wanders, but it's still getting in there somewhere. So there's ways, there's little tricks that we can do to, in our hunger and thirsting for righteousness, that we can be filled. There is a great psalm that we want to conclude with, and it's just one verse, but it's Psalm 34. In fact, I'd like for you to say it with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And so there's that food and drink metaphor again, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. As Peterson shares in the message, he's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. But what about you? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Hunger and thirst to be the one God calls you to be. If not, why not give it a try? How about today? Why not start right now? Amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, I just want to thank you for this, uh, for this beatitude, reminding us that we're blessed more in the seeking you, as we seek righteousness, as we turn to you, as we desire you, as we, as, we, as we feed on you, as you give us that spiritual food and drink, Lord. Please help us, even though you fill us when you feed us, you, you take away our thirst with, this, uh, with the, uh, the living water, Lord, Please help us to never be satisfied, to ever long for you, long to be closer to you, long to know you better, to, to uh, realize uh, you as part of our lives better, to realize you in us better. Please help us to reach to you with our whole being, our minds, our spirits, our souls. And to know that it's you, Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, only you can quench that hunger, that thirst and, and fulfill that hunger. It's only you that can satisfy. Only you, Lord. And please help us to, to actually never be fully satisfied 
and to forever seek you. We praise you, glorify your holy name. All those gathered said, amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.